Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Anthony Canton III, and this is Marvel Cinematic University, where normally we talk about the MCU and everything going on in the MCU and also outside the MCU. Salute to Jake Christie and Rod Morrow. They talked about Blue Beetle the other day. You can check that out. But tonight is a little different. We're doing a little wrestling. Pro professional wrestling. We're getting into WWE. We're getting into AEW. We're doing the whole nine yards. We're getting into it. And boy, oh boy. Happy to have my two guests with me. First, he writes for The Ringer. He's talking to all the wrestlers these days. He's talking to all of them. He's, he's, he's doing everything when it comes to wrestling media. Tremendous dude, Cameron Hawkins, a.k.a. Seahawk. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Happy to be here, as always. Um, some of the best conversations I've had uh, in media period have been on this show. So thank you for having me on again. Oh, I appreciate you, bro, of course. And we have a first-timer. First-timer. He is one half of perhaps the best basketball podcast out there these days, The Dunker Spot. His his partner, I, I may have a little, uh, you know, there's a little backstage heat that, that we will have to... <laughs> You're going to have to get to at, at some point. Well, I'll save that for another time. But we do have Steve Jones Jr. Steve, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Uh, let's get to it. I appreciate you for that intro. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a cash up you some lunch. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Nothing but love to both of you guys. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in everything that's been happening in the professional wrestling business because I think – more so than anything, and I think it really hit me when I went to SmackDown at the beginning of July. It was right after Money in the Bank, and we had that 45-minute segment of the Tribal Court with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline. So seeing that live and seeing how the crowd reacted to that, everything that was going on, it made me think about, like, wow, the, the business is really at its height at the moment. And seeing how everybody reacts to wrestling and to the degree where my wife now will ask me what is happening with such and such and why is this person, why didn't they help Bianca? Why didn't Charlotte help Bianca last Friday night when Damage Control was attacking her? Stuff like that. So it's really starting to catch on mainstream. And Cam, I'll start with you. What do you think has, has happened? I know there's particular things like the bloodline and even the stuff in AEW as um, Adam Cole and MJF's feud or slash friendship has really grown into a wonderful storyline that the people can really sink their teeth into but what have you seen that has made this a fever pitch to talk about every day i think in a lot of ways the acting caught up with the athleticism all right so uh i always reference wrestlemania 19 as like my peak of wrestling in that you still have the biggest stars you have your rock you have your stone cold kind of on their way out but on the flip side you have kurt angle and brock lesnar on that show you have Shawn michaels and chris jericho on that show um you know you have booker t and triple h you have all the tag teams there like it's a very very big show um but it was like wwe had this embarrassment of riches where all the most talented you know north american wrestlers are here in one spot right the athleticism just got better and better and better over the years, but you did not necessarily have the people in place to tell the most compelling story. Like all due respect to John Cena, John Cena could sell a very, very big match, but you know, John Cena, once you get past edge and probably Randy Orton for a while, John Cena doesn't have a real peer. 
then you get to CM Punk and the realism is there again. And it's like, I really care about what happens between these two guys. And so I think now where we have a Roman Reigns um, who, when he came back after the pandemic, it just clicked for him who he wanted to be, right? But he comes from the most talented wrestling family ever, right? So now you got Rikishi's twin sons, the Usos, who I think, um, and I always reference this on every show, when American Alpha came to SmackDown, a switch flipped in the Usos that we're good, but we got to get better. And they became great. You add in Paul Heyman and that list of challengers. And again, you have, um, you got a guy in Roman who finally men respect, women always loved. You have a sympathetic figure, depending on what week it is, in Jimmy and Jay Uso. Um, and on top of that, you got this crazy undefeated streak that mm-hmm. people online may have a problem with, <laughs> but people in person and the people who are paying tickets to go to the show and buying the merch are all in on and they want to see who's going to beat them. Like it's hard to beat that combination. Again, the athleticism was always there, but you have a story where people want to see what the end goal is and don't need it to happen tomorrow. It, it's it's very, very good. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's really fascinating. And Steve, to get your perspective on it, uh, as somebody who's a fan, what have you seen over the last you know year or two? Because I, I, I'll just say this for me personally, like I kind of fell out a little bit after I think Seth beat Brock when Brock had the money in the bank and Seth had the title and then they brought the fiend in. And then that weird match <laughs> happened where the fiend just kicked out of every single thing in the history of mankind. And that's where I was just like, yo, what, what are we doing here? So it took me a while to get back into it. And then like Cam mentioned, the Roman Reigns stuff brought me back. Uh, how about you? Where, where are you seeing all this as it continues to grow? There's something that Cam said that touched on, and it was the challengers. There's a buildup that happens. You are allowed to believe in the people that you're seeing every single week, and you're allowed to believe that there may be a conclusion for them. And if not, they may fight each other next week. Everything is kind of interconnected in a way. And I look at Roman's challengers, Drew McIntyre, Clash at the Castle. Yeah. And he might do it. He really might do it. Cody Rhodes, obviously. He really might do it. Sammy, at home. He really might do it. Now, Jay, I knew Jay wasn't going to do it. I'm sorry, (laughs) y'all. But it was nice to see Jay be able to have that match. And it makes sense for those stakes. And I think that's the part of Roman's reign, no pun intended, that gets understated. He's able to elevate people. And I think, for the most part, look at where Sammy Zayn is now. Everyone could say, oh, he needs to win. He needs to push. People love Sammy everywhere he goes. You can put him in any tag match. You can have him fight anybody. He can do it. He's now established. Cody, they say Cody was done. I done heard the woes in 18 <laughs> different countries, and they get louder and louder every week. So for me, with the bloodline being as big as it is, it gives value to you to watch every single week. And then I think having this element where you can take people and now we elevate them, like even like Shinsuke Nakamura. We know what Shinsuke can do. We can keep him right here. And if we need to, we heat him right back up. We have Seth Rollins. He's here every week. The Judgment Day, the Elevation. like That's the part to me where it's like, oh, I'm seeing these people every single week. And something else is happening with them. And oh, look at like Alpha Academy. 
Yeah. Oh, they're fighting. They're a good tag team. Here's Maxine. Oh, yeah, Chad can hoop. Oh, Chad's fighting Gunther. Like, that builds value to you as a customer. It builds trust. So that, to me, is like, that was the one where I was like, nah, I think I can watch this every week now. It's interesting that that each of you mentioned the elevation. I think, like, if you just wanted to compare Roman and Cena for a second, and Cam, you mentioned it before about Cena not having a challenger, I think, to Steve's point, as far as the the elevation, I think of what Roman has made over the past three years. Made Sammy, made KO, made the Usos. It's just the, just those four on its own. And I mean, in a way, he also made Logan Paul because for the fact that that match did what it did and it was believable for a hot second that that knockout punch could do something. That viral moment, oh my goodness! So uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of credit, and I think even the Cody point too. I mean, most folks thought that the Cody thing after WrestleMania, why didn't they let him win? Why they didn't let him win? I remember Cam's face that became a meme after <laughs> WrestleMania because <laughs> I know you were shocked too. I was shocked too. I was just like, wait a minute, what happened? I thought it was over, and then it's like you realize. No, I it I feel like regardless of how people feel about it, I think that more so than anything else, if Cody had won, sure, it would have been a great moment for for sure. I can't say that enough. It would have been a great moment. However, I do think that this part of it is more compelling that Cody now has had to go through Brock Lesnar. And while I would say at this moment they need to find another opponent for him, I do think the mishmash of of every week kind of being stuck in six man tags with the judgment day gets a little repetitive, but I do think in order to build him back up, I mean, you see it every week. They're singing the lyrics. They're singing the lyrics full bore every single week. So he's, he's over as well, but I want to kind of bring this back to the bloodline. Cause this is the central story that is kind of uh, capturing everybody's minds and hearts. And the last chapter of this was Jay uh, doing the deuces, ooses a couple weeks ago. And we had last week uh, primarily focused on Edge. And No Bloodline will get Jimmy back this week. I want to ask both of you. Steve, I'll start with you on this one. What do you think? What have you? What did you think about the Jimmy turn on Jay? And the idea that some people, uh, uh, I would say, you know, because, of course, wrestling fans are very fickle, just like everything else on the Internet. But what do you think about the fact that this idea that maybe the Bloodline story has reached its saturation point to a degree? How do you feel about that at this moment? I wouldn't get mad at people who say they're fatigued because I get it. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing. For me, the Jimmy turn made me go backwards. It made me think about the start. And it made me think, hey, man, every time these guys fight, Jimmy tricks it off for Jay. <laughs> every single time. We ain't really heard Jimmy's side of the story. No. We ain't really heard how deep Jimmy wants to go. And I thought the follow-up was key. I don't want to get too far ahead. But I like that they said, hey, Roman, this wasn't for you, dog. I'm trying to save this man. And that's like the element of the bloodline storyline that I love where you re like they maintain some level of gray or humanity or, hey, I can understand what you're thinking there. I just, I point to it. I'm like, hey, man. And it's funny because Jimmy could have, there's so many ways you could have thought of it. 
Like, did Jimmy just not want Jay to be tribal chief? Mm-hmm. Why did he not want to? And now you go back, you look and you go back to the YouTube and it's like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Was Jimmy really about that? Like, that's the fun part for me, at least. What y'all mm. think? Mm. No, I, I'm intrigued. I want to hear Cam first and then I'll go. Yeah, you go back to the pandemic when it was the right-hand man, Jay Uso, and Jimmy had to come back and see Jay running up in Roman's ass every week. And he was like, you just going to be a bitch? You just going to be a bitch? <laughs> he was asking him straight up. And he was so mad. You know what I'm saying? To eventually, like, again, he had to save him from Roman in Hell in a Cell. Yeah. You know, that happened. And so he has every right to believe that Jimmy or that Jay wouldn't handle it right because he has the evidence in front of him. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's really good and it's so layered. And, and again, like you said, fans on the internet are fickle. Like, a lot of these people, and when I say these people, I'm talking about people I interact with in wrestling Twitter. You can't talk movies with them. They don't watch movies. They don't watch TV. They don't listen to music. They watch AEW, WWE, New Japan. And so, like, they're used to set points of satisfaction. And the other thing that they do is, like, they basically tune out what they're actually seeing. Like Somebody was like, and this is a real conversation. I got where he was coming from, so there's no disrespect. And I was like, yo, if, if y'all think the bloodline jumped the shark, look at the ratings the, the Friday after Tribal Combat. Like, people were clearly not upset. And they were like, well, you know, Happy Days jumped the shark, literally jumped the shark when it started, like, three years before it went bad. I was like, dog, we just got to get to January. Like, that's the other thing. We just got to get to January. If we hot till January, as soon as you hit Royal Rumble, don't matter what you got on TV. It's going to carry to WrestleMania where you need to get to. So, yeah, again, it's so layered. And the unique part about this is that these are not wrestlers who have been traveling the road together for seven years. These are people who have been together for 35 years. Mm -hmm. And so when they go into the room with an idea on how something should be presented, there's humility, there's understanding. Like there's an idea of how this should be presented. Um, of course, egos are involved, but egos are put to the side because they understand what the success is going to be with the end game. And so like there's, you'll never get synergy in a story like this again, because you don't get, and, and you know, Solo too, who everybody from that family is good at wrestling, whatever good at wrestling means to you. But you're not going to get a situation where you get a bunch of guys in their mid to late 30s who have been doing this really their whole lives, who care about each other to the level they do to get this thing done. Like uh, Trinity posted a picture of all of them at like a family gathering and she had to edit out Solo and uh, and Jay's faces. Uh, you know, because they're not family right now, but it's like y'all clearly all rock every week together. You know, it, it's it's oh man, it's it's beautiful to see something come together like this. I don't know if we'll ever get it again, but yeah, like to the idea that you're bored of it, I, I understand what you're saying, but gotta remember it's not just about you. Um, there's an overarching thing. This thing has worked for a very long time for a reason. And while you may not sing its praises, you should not argue with what's working. Yes, especially with the idea that I thought in the match at SummerSlam, I mean, you see Jay come out and you see how he had the crowd going. And that's the point of it all. That's the point of it all to get him to that level where he's that over that 
people are cheering him leaving. Like it's the the whole CM Punk thing back in back in 2011. So I feel like more so than anything else, I I have always felt that this is gonna eventually lead to an oose in every corner. We're gonna have the fatal four way. Mm-hmm. The Roman solo piece of this has continued to escalate uh, bit by bit as we get to that point. Whenever it whenever it explodes, it will at some point, and then Roman at some point will be on his own. And that will be that's an interesting end game for this story to reach. But I I continue to enjoy the fact that they've continued to really elevate each other, elevate the brand. You can't argue with the the ratings and you can't argue with the money that they've made off of this because this has really been the central figure, the thing that we're glued in every week. We what we call it Master Ooze Theater every week. So I, I think it's it's, it's just something I- I- incredible to think of. And I think about like last week not having it. And I was like, damn, you know, you get this little segment with Paul Heyman in the back talking, you know, speaking and hem- hemming and hawing and stuff like that. And then we was like, we getting Jimmy next week. And now I, I want to hear Jimmy's piece of it because we haven't got that part of it yet. So now, as similar to when Jay was at the front line three years ago, and then Jimmy was the one who was on the shelf and then came back and and trick things off for jay in those matches now we get to see jimmy and how he deals with stuff on his own that's a fascinating layer to this and also i think at the end of the day with everything happening on not only smackdown and raw including all these these teams you got the judgment day you got whatever's going on with the prophets and bobby lashley which i think is something fascinating that we'll hit in a few minutes but with all of those things going on elevating everybody else I do think that the bloodline will be okay. And like you said, Cam, you just got to get to January. You have enough surrounding talent. There's so much talent across the roster now is that it's just incredible to watch every week that you could take a little break. You could cool it down a little bit and it'll be okay. I, I think more so than anything else as I've watched this storyline unfold and I've seen people get frustrated as well, you know, it's kind of reaching the saturation point and whatnot. We've never seen anything like this before. We haven't seen anything drawn out this long. And week by week, you're waiting for these little moments. I mean, I think about how... I mean, think about WrestleMania, Sammy KO, and the Usos. Just think about that moment, what that was. And that was just night one. And then I I think about Roman and Cody, and you you get the Usos interfering, and then Sammy, Sammy and KO come out, and then they get that near fall where they double team Roman. And you think of how the crowd, I mean, Cam, you were there. So you, you felt that energy in the building. So, I mean, somebody like me watching at home was just like, oh my God, this is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't, and they rip it away from you. I think let's let this play out again. I can't state this enough. We have never seen anything like this before in the history of professional wrestling. This is incredible to watch. So, I'm very intrigued to see where they go with it next. Now, I I did want to go a little bit off the beaten path because I did have a question for you specifically, Cam, as far as the Roman Reigns thing and and long-term booking, which I know is your favorite subject because everybody brings it up with you (laughs) on the internet all the time. But I figure since I have you on the show, I'll ask you. So, should it be... Should it be Cody? Should Cody just be the one to take out Roman? Is it is it that simple? Because, I, I mean, I don't mind. It's not a big deal to me. 
whether that's the case because I'm already all in on the Cody train. But what do you honestly think about it? It should be Cody. It should definitely be Cody. Um, so what's interesting, as this thing really started to formulate, uh, my point was always that Jay needs to be the one to ultimately take down the bloodline. Then they announced Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam. I was like, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. It's not what I said. Because I don't think Jay's trajectory is to be WWE champion. Mm-hmm. I think Jay's trajectory is to take down Roman Reigns. And I think that that can happen on its own time, right? But yeah, man, Cody is like, um, we got to Royal Rumble in San Antonio, uh, my hometown, shout out to San Antonio. And we're there, and I'm probably there because media needs to be there like an hour before the doors open, give or take, right? Lines already around the building. They have sold out of Cody merch. Wow. An hour before the show. Right. Um, he's he's everywhere and everything. People in AEW, um, not that work there, but people who are AEW fans first get so mad at me when I tell them that Cody's a stadium act. They feel like that's me belittling AEW. I was like, no, it's not what I'm saying. The way that he talks, the things that he says, the way that he emotes, the way that he reaches out to the crowd, that is for a WWE audience. It just is. You know, and listen, um, like Kenny Omega, who is one of the best in in the world, he elicits a reaction from AEW because of what he can do in the ring. First, Cody elicits a reaction to WWE because of what he represents. He's both a throwback with this this modernization mixed in. He's learned not to say um, racism is dead because I got a biracial kid. He figured that part out. <laughs> but the way that he speaks is is for that specific audience. They love that man. That's their Jesus. And that's cool. That's great. He needs to be the guy because, you know, as much as I love Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins was done a disservice by booking for a very long time. Like him being the front man to Stephanie and Triple H when they were having half an hour promos at the beginning of shows didn't do him any favors. They love Seth Rollins. They respect Seth Rollins. They, the fans, they appreciate Seth Rollins being the first world heavyweight champion, the new incarnation. They love him. They really, really do. Cody has a chance to be a top tier baby face in the way that John Cena was a top tier baby face. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, like it absolutely needs to be him. Um, not fantasy booking. I hate you so much. Have have Cody have Cody beat whoever hottest heel is or hottest face. Have him be beat him at the end of elimination chamber to challenge Roman. Like let that be it. Um, whoever wins the rumble, let them face Seth or whoever the world heavyweight champ is to keep that belt up where it needs to be but yeah man have cody cody needs the main event wrestlemania and beat roman let's do it let's get there let's make it happen i'm I'm glad you mentioned seth because i think to royal rumble 22 and Mm -hmm. the fact that that match with seth and roman ended in a roman uh roman got dq'd Mm -hmm. because he just got frustrated he just lost it with seth and seth was kind of psychologically playing with him which I thought was just an incredible story coming out in the shield music and coming through the crowd and, yeah. and and whatnot. 
I wanted to kind of get back to that, but I feel like we're not going to. Uh, Steve, let me ask you, like the Seth Roman thing, because there is stuff there. There's there's stuff that's kind of always going to be there because Seth always talks about, especially after winning the World Heavyweight Championship, that, you know, this, you know, this is viewed as a secondary title because this other dude just wants to defend the title just here and there randomly or whatever, you know, a little pot shot here. And there's a lot of back and forth between the two. And I always felt that them ending that last match that way would made me think that eventually they would get back to that. How would you feel if they eventually got back to that? Because I, I feel like they, they should. Eventually, I w- excuse me, <clears throat> I would love it. Because if you go back to that Royal Rumble match, my favorite part was we had Roman as you know, headed or being dominant, but Seth Rollins was the one person who could tweak him. Seth Rollins was the one thing that represented so much of what Roman or what turned Roman into what he is now. And he holds that ace card over Roman and Roman knows it. And anytime you can have a character that can poke at the insecurities of Roman Reigns and grind those gears, I I have fun with it. I don't think it needs to be for a title. No. I think it's something they can revisit down the line, but I think there's a lot of character work there. Because I think there's also hidden layers for Seth, as seen recently on Raw, where it's like, yeah, my back is hurt. Don't talk about my family. He has a different layer he can get to behind Seth freaking Rollins. And I think if you revisit that story when maybe Roman is alone, and now Seth is in a different place, you can tap back into a whole lot. So that would be the intrigue for me. Hmm. Yeah, I think the... I remember it was right. I think Seth was talking and Cody interrupted him a while back. And then right after SummerSlam, Seth did the same thing to Cody. So that it, it feels like they've been teasing them doing that match again at some point, but the judgment day keeps interrupting every single time. I, the, the Seth Cody, and we know how that hell in the cell, like you got one guy wrestling with a broken back and then you got, I mean that, that I still cannot believe that 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 match with Cody and, and Seth the Hell in a Cell, where you see that whole thing looking that looked so crazy. It was so crazy, and the fact that he wrestled with that and completed that match, and the match was good. Yeah. It's just like all of that, all of that makes me think that eventually they'll try and do because I feel like once you tease it twice. That means you're eventually going to get to it. So I'm curious to see when they when they get to that. But Cam, I'll ask you about Seth and Shinsuke because that's a that's an interesting feud. Uh, Steve mentioned earlier you can always heat Shinsuke back up, and I'm kind of glad that they've given Shinsuke something to do substantial. I always felt like this, the the feud with AJ a couple of years ago when he did the low blow thing at WrestleMania. I I, I kind of think it wasn't. It wasn't the move for his character and it kind of messed up the feud in a way where it just kind of it just didn't it didn't work. But I feel like this is something that he could really sink his teeth into that that promo yesterday on Raw was really awesome. How you feel about Shinsuke and Seth and kind of adding a, a few more layers to both of these guys uh, going into a match of payback? That was a bad day to be from Japan, boy. Um <laughs> Because Nakamura lost, Oscar lost. It was a na- I was in the building. It was nasty. It was real nasty what happened to him. Um, but yeah, they, they've they've struggled to hit the right note with Nakamura. They almost get there so often. But like 
his heel turn is is great like in personal for me because it's my biggest pet peeve because i hate repeating myself and i know like the three of us right think about what we do like as a living <laughs> me hating repeating myself is kind of ridiculous <laughs> but i hate it and so he was like yo like you're not hearing me i'm not gonna say it again now he's kicking people in the face it's great um, but yeah, Nakamura, man, he's so, he's so jazzy, man. He really is. And the fact that he's like, yo, Seth, I know you hurt. And we know whether you've only seen him in WWE or if you've watched his New Japan stuff with Brock or with AJ, Nakamura's a killer. He really is. Um, he's going to hone in on what's ailing you. And I think they have a chance to tell a really interesting story. I don't like injury storylines with guys who never go home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... Like, I've been telling Moxley to go on vacation. There's a meme of me at uh, Dynamite looking at Moxley like this. <laughs> when are you going on vacation, dog? Like, but I think it's going to be really fun because Shinsuke, I mean, you, you careful what you say about Japanese wrestlers, right? But like, real, like, lethal weapon, dude. Like, these hands and feet are real registered weapons. And so it's going to be really fun to watch. I, I feel like they've missed the boat on Nakamura being world champion. Yeah. Um, I just think he's too long in the tooth. Um, they they missed an opportunity when he went against AJ. And really, like, he would do it if they asked him. I don't know if he's interested in doing that. If I'm making seven figures a year to kick it and surf, like, all right, like, let's just do that. You know what I'm saying? So, but um, what was really interesting, like, this is going to be good. I think it's only going to be for the one pay-per-view. But, like, look, they got Gunther and they got Chad Gable yeah. on the same card. Yeah. Listen, man, I might I might risk in the main event with that. I'm serious. You give them 20, 25 minutes, they're going to go crazy. So, like, I, again, it's payback. It's a show. Yeah. It's cool. Like, Seth and Nakamura is going to be good because they are both good. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, Seth needs challengers. It's not time to go face up with him and Cody. It's not time to split up him and KO. Right. What Gunther's doing does not need to be interrupted by him challenging for the title. Uh, Nakamura's probably the best option right now with, with a singles guy that they got. Um, you know, Miz isn't there right now. He, he's doing the thing with LA Knight. I like it. I like it. Um, but again... I might headline with the IC title because the stakes are technically higher. Right. Um, you got that, you know, all-time streak versus the guy he can't beat. Similar to what we said about Seth and Roman from last year. Right. In that this is the one guy I can't get over on. Let's see what happens. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, the man, that match between uh, Gable and Gunther, my God. The, the, the last two. I mean, you got to beat the clock. And then you got... <laughs> Just the chain wrestling at the beginning to him getting thrown out of the ring, (laughs) the German suplex over the barricade. Oh boy. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they need a, they need 20 to 25. They, they they need a real, uh, drag out knockdown match. Listen, we could say everything about, about Gunther that, listen, I was saying at the Royal Rumble after he, after he went, he had the match within a match with Cody at the end of the rumble. I I'm ready for that Gunther world title run. I'm ready for him to compete for world titles. I'm just like, I'm there. This dude just has it all. Just the way that he just be beating the hell out of folks. 
But Chad Gable, man, I was like, oh man, I just remember a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, this is Kurt Angle. Like this is just this is just the reincarnation yeah. of Kurt Angle. It really is. It just it just makes me so excited to see a different version of that. And Cam, listen, as far as like the main uh, the the main event of payback, I think you could do yeah, you could probably get yeah. I think it, considering I think so. the stakes, considering that he's about to break that record, I think it would not be crazy if they decided to go that route. I, you already that, got that, your ten dollars. You already got your ten dollars. <laughs> like do what you want. You got it. <laughs> it's just, it, it it really it really is interesting, and that's the thing. Like we only have a few matches so far. We ain't got nothing for Cody yet. I feel like um you know since KO just came back yesterday, um I would love to see. I was saying it yesterday. I would love to see like a tag team turmoil to kind of see somebody get a shot at those belts. Um, I really want the profits. That profits Lashley thing is that's where it's at for me. I I, I kind of need the profits back in the championship picture. Bobby Lashley is 47 years old, Mm -hmm. 47 years old, like provided he stays healthy, he's going to win a world title in his fifties and it's not going to look ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. That state. Yeah. That's that's stable. What it seems like they're building there and I love the, the profits new look. Um, I loved what I saw against the OC last week. It's just it, the move set got a little more physical to it. Yeah. Montez could always go. Doc could always go. We knew them dudes could always go. But them having a little battery in their back now? Ooh, yeah. boy. I, I'm very intrigued. Steve, what, what are you seeing out them Profits and, and, and Bobby Lashley that, that, that kind of excites you? Honestly, it was the build. I like that it wasn't just a random, hey, we're upset that we lost and we're beating people up and, hey, Bobby Lashley's with us. Nah, it was a slow, hey, y'all want to come talk? Hey, why don't you get your suit game up, bud? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why don't you come talk to me? Y'all want to be serious? And then here they come. They're serious. Not completely different, but no, we're going to beat people up. And then Bobby was like, nah, we're going to take this. So that's where it's like they plant the idea and you wait for them to, where are they going to go with it? Are they going to go this way or are they going to go that way? So that's the fun part for me. Because it's like, maybe they don't interact with the bloodline. But they come knock on Roman Reigns' door, it's Bobby Lashley still. And he got back up. Or they can go after whoever they want. Maybe they go talk to the LWO real quick. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ray, what's good? What's up with that belt, bro? (laughs) So that's that's where it's like very interesting pass. But I think the street prop has needed a little bit more edge. They need something to bite into to go from here to here instead of just being dudes red cups that y'all like to bounce with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, more so that like that edge and you kind of see it, you, you kind of saw it last week and you've been seeing it the last couple of weeks as they've, they've continued to, to show this new side to them just is very, very exciting. I need, I need them to get a shot at Sammy and KO and I kind of need them to beat Sammy and KO. That's how that's because you know, that would be, an incredible that would be an incredible match. I would oh boy. I just KO stay healthy so they could do that match at some point uh and get that thing going because oh boy, that would be fun to see the profits kind of get the recognition that they I think they deserve. They're a great team. They just they're just incredible. The way that Dawkins has improved like over the past couple years and Montez, we already know like the, the ceiling is the ceiling is just insane for him. I, I need to see them elevated. I, I would love to see that. But um, okay. 
I, I'm, I'm ready to talk about the Judgment Day because I've been thinking about this for a couple weeks now, and I don't think it's their I don't think it's their fault. It's not their fault, in 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 my opinion, as far as the way that the priest Finn thing has gone. I think building the tension between them is fine. I don't when you have the the Seth Finn feud and you have the the little botches, the little screw ups with the briefcase. Yeah, you could do that one time. And I think, yeah, you could probably do that two times. I feel like we've gotten that briefcase thing happen like five to six consecutive <laughs> times every single week. And I just don't want this dominant faction to look like idiots. He's and that's kind play. of... <laughs> <laughs> They've been screwing the pooch for the last few weeks. And I know they got the JD thing going on with Finn. The money in the bank briefcase, we'll see what Priest does with it at some point. I, I feel like whenever they pull that trigger, that that is interesting because I want to see how the group reacts to it, which I, I don't think Finn will react to it very well considering all of the, the, the quote-unquote help that he's gotten from Priest in these title matches. But I really like Judgment Day. I think they've done... They've done a tremendous job. I thought Edge did a great job getting those guys over to the point where they could be something. And they've kind of tried, they've continued to build off that. Rhea is just Rhea in a lot of ways is the leader of the group. She is uh-huh. just knocking it out of the park every week. She slams KO and just suck it. Oh my god, that was just so that was so that was so cool. But I don't necessarily feel like they should do the we have tension of breaking up every week. I feel like my dominant heel faction, at least for... Because it, it's still very early in their run. This dominant heel faction should stay dominant and should just be beating on folks every week. Well, uh, what, say you, what say you can? Who tried to tell our joke? Was it Cody who tried to tell that JD has a big head joke? <laughs> Funko Pop. Yeah, and it's like it's like Cody, like that's that that's that's for black people. Like, you can't, like cause you saw it, like the white folks didn't know how to respond. They were like, okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like no, right, that's us. Um, but yeah, I, I think introducing him as a new wrinkle is good, knowing that he's you know Finn's protege. But like, yeah, I agree. I don't want to see the will they, won't they? Because Ray was like, yo, y'all got to figure this out. Um, I think ultimately, what's probably going to happen. If the Judgment Day is the Judgment Day, um, it would be interesting if Finn got excommunicated and they brought in JD. Mm. That would be interesting. Same way they kind of did Edge. You know what right. I mean? Like, because Finn, like, it's weird to call Finn long in the tooth because he's still the most in shape person to ever walk into WWE. But you know, he can hold his own as a solo talent, whatever like way they need him to. But yeah, I think. And this is no disrespect to Priest. I thought when when he had his U.S. title run, I thought that was really when he was on the right trajectory. Yeah. I don't know if I buy him as world champ yet. At the same and thought. It's, but it's unfortunate because he like, he's forty. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it ain't gonna get better for him. And and again, none of this is a knock on him. I think he's very very good. I just think that he does not strike me as the leader of the group. That's Rhea. After Rhea, I got Finn. Yeah. After Finn, I got Dom as the super heat magnet. Like, he's not Batista. And that you could always, like, it got to a point where you could see Batista being world heavyweight champ. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, like, as the heavy of evolution, um, Rhea's kind of the heavy of Judgment Day. 
even though Priest is the biggest one. You know what I mean? So I would like to see them tighten it up. But ultimately, I think miscommunication is going to cost him the briefcase. And then we have the fallout from that um, is where I think we might get a split. I think that that part of it to me is where I really do feel like the viable world champion part. I'm glad you said that because I was ta- I was uh, talking about this in a Discord today. And I was like, because I was thinking about when Edge originally had the money in the bank. Like, think about back then like as a singles wrestler and it's weird they've kind of done the money in the bank different with folks i mean we see what happened with theory that was just uh that was just a mess and it's in its own thing but i mean something like edge before edge even got the briefcase he beat hbk at royal rumble they had him in kind of like they had him tangle with evolution they had him tangle with rick flair they had him do all of these different types of feuds all over all over the company until he got to a point where okay he could challenge Cena and I I mean honestly I like I feel like John Cena's run does not look the same without Edge it just doesn't yeah. that's his best rival that's his yes. best rival all due respect to CM Punk that's his best rival just just doesn't like I it, and it's funny just as a sidebar like I remember that 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 pay per view the the Elimination Chamber New Year's Revolution 06, where that crowd was just flat out booing Cena. Like they they would have been cool with Carlito or Chris Masters winning the title. That's how that's how that's how they were sure. so against Cena. And the Edge thing kind of flipped it a little bit. Like it took a while and it took another year or two, but th- that Edge feud just really changed everything. But like in terms of singles uh, wrestlers, like I would like to see Priest like try and build him up. Like have him have him have a, have a singles feud or something with 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 somebody. Like have him fight Cody a little bit or. I know they they ain't never gonna have Cody lose to nobody because the man's Superman at this point. But yeah, give him something to chew on. That's kind of it. It does feel like to Camp's point, like he's kind of stuck in between this uh, guy just holding the briefcase as Rhea leads the group, and Finn is Finn has his other guy, and Dom to Camp's point is the heat magnet. Uh, Steve, how do you view the Judgment Day? My thing with the Judgment Day. I'm thinking Survivor Series. Mm. And that's where I'm pausing everything. Because I'm like, they got to get there. Because who else is going to be in War Games? That's where my head is at. So I'm like, all right, there's something that's going. They got to fill the gap to get there. The other problem is the Judgment Day established themselves. Week in, week out, we are here. We dominate. Then they started doing it. But to tell their story, they still got to be on TV every week. Yeah. So it's going to hit over the heads. They're trying to stretch it out. I think Priest... Where the money in the bank is thought of right now, I don't know if it helps or hurts him. Yeah. Does it elevate him? I don't know. But does it keep him as a main character? Yes. I think Mm -hmm. that's probably the most important part. Where, hey, I got the briefcase. So it's not as bad as theory, but he's been saying senior money in the bank for the last three weeks. So, yes, I would like to see him beat people up that are not Sam Zane and Cody Rhodes. And and to piggyback on what Steve's saying, you think – we're getting a war games without Cody Rhodes again. Oh, yeah, no, nah, ain't no way. Ain't that no man, way. That man came back for that match. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. He is going to be the captain of the team. It's going to be him, probably KO and Sammy. And I don't know, throw in Riddle and McIntyre or somebody. Yeah. But yeah, ain't no way we're getting a war games without Team Cody. Impossible. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and then I, to see that. I think Rhea has been established as a leader over yes. and over and over again mm-hmm. to the point where the real reason those two haven't fought and split up is because of Rhea. Yeah. If Rhea wasn't around, that don't happen. And now you start to think about the Judgment Day as a vehicle for Rhea. Yes. And then it's like, okay, what happens when she's seen enough? How does she play a role in it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, they, there's some fun ways they can tweak it, but I'm with you. I understand. I just think they got to get from point A to point B. Yes, yes. I, I, and, and it's funny that you mentioned Rhea because I, I think the the eventual match that I need for Rhea is Rhea-Bianca. That's where I need this to get to. Now, it seems like at the moment, uh, Bianca's dealing with damage control as they as they, as they just attacking her left and right. Um, that performance by Bianca at SummerSlam, by the way, She's the coldest. She's the coldest. She's the coldest. Oh, I thought her ACL was gone. (laughs) Twice, actually. Because SmackDown, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Listen, man. And throughout her championship run, throughout these last few months, give me Bianca Charlotte. We could do that for a little bit. And then give me Bianca Rhea. Bianca Belair, man. That's all I got to say. Bianca Belair. She's... Listen, woo boy, she every no matter what the situation is, no matter what the match type is, just all of it is incredible. And I mean, the the, the women's division is in a place that um, you know, just you got Rhea on one side, you got Bianca Charlotte, you got Io Sky, you got the whole damage control thing. It is really cool to see them week to week, and I. Giving them more time, like I, I'm, I, I, I love seeing them go at it uh, week to week. Cam, how you feeling about the the women's division? It's a, it feels like it's in a really nice place, even after some of the stuff happened with with Trinity and Sasha, yeah. uh, Mercedes, I should say. SmackDown side, it's good. SmackDown yes. side, it's good. Um, EO Sky has been EO Sky is somebody who the only thing they taught her in NXT is where the camera is. That's it. <laughs> and so she could have, you know, like, and, and really some some of the top talents have told me what they learned was how to do TV wrestling down there. It wasn't the X's and O's. It's how to do what they do so well in front of a camera. That's all they taught her. She's been ready. Um, I think Bailey is, when, when all this is said and done, she's going to be one of the most underrated wrestling talents ever. Man, woman, mineral, vegetable, whatever. Um, the, the idea that she could be like just the nastiest heel and she's never had to curse and she's never had to call nobody out their name. Like she's incredible. She's so good. Um, like, and then you got Charlotte and Bianca right there, right? Like it's, it's an amazing division. I really, really, really think, I think for the next, I don't know, three, four months, you make them a tag team and you put the tag titles on them. Oh, on Bianca and Charlotte, and they just come out in, in very fancy streetwear um, every week and talk that talk, <laughs> and then go put on the best matches. I think that's where you go. On the on the Raw side, um, I actually had this conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. It's tough because a lot of fans are clamoring for more women's wrestling, like literally more time on television. Right. On the flip side, though, you got the most dominant women's champion that they've ever had dominant in physical presence and dominant in time. You might get two minutes out of her 
And I think that's a real cool thing that they're telling, but I understand the pushback, right? So talent-wise, they're, and Shayna is coming, and Shayna's coming. And I told Shayna to her face, you're the most complete wrestler they have because you speak truth to power. Everybody can do the moves. I believe everything you say. Everything you say, I believe it. So she's coming. But on the Raw side, you'd like to see more attention on Rhea's challengers. You don't want them to come out of nowhere. Um, The the only thing WWE struggle with in the women's division, well, maybe the biggest thing, there aren't very many non-title storylines. When literally everything else on the show, save for Roman and Seth, is a non-title storyline. You know what I mean? So they gotta, the way that you make the women compelling is not to have scramble matches and battle royals for title shots. It's to have them actually do things on the TV that don't involve the title. So they gotta work on that. But again, on the SmackDown side, they're golden. They're exactly where they need to be. Um, You have another show that's three hours though. You gotta, you gotta step that up. There's gotta be more going on there. Yeah, I... I feel a little bit weird about the whole Becky Trish not getting their blow off at SummerSlam because I do think it's messed up the feud because it's prolonged it in a way where I don't think they intended to do so. And now we're just sitting and kind of waiting for a steel cage because that's how I felt watching the promo yesterday where I was like, damn, I feel like we've done this portion of it already. But Steve, you look like you have something you wanted to. That that feud just needs a video package. They need to find a video package for that feud to at least retie it back together, so yeah. you can lock back in on it. But that's that was my only point. Like, yeah, agreed. It it should be here, and it started here, and it kind of has gone mm-hmm. here to the yeah. point where people told me Trish Stratus is Toronto Raptors Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> oh I, no! I got really oh, upset no, about it. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. what? I, I didn't agree, but hey, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, what you think, Cam? They're asking her to put listen, listen, we was at we was we was uh going, we were going to media after WrestleMania night one, and I saw Trish and I was like, Hey, you, you smoked that. And she was like, Thank you so much, baby. And so I'll never say a bad word about your strategy. Um, she's great, she's the greatest. Um, everything she does is perfect, she's amazing. But no, in all seriousness, they got her saying too many words, and they've done that with too many people, like Becky really is a convincing talker they had her talking too long they've never had trish say that many words in a promo you're carrying it too long let people be good at what they do trish is very good at sneaking her lines in and then sneaking you and like really like being a a weasel heel at this point zoe stark's good at being the heavy becky's good at kicking ass we don't need more than that and so they're trying to overcompensate by not giving them the match by doing this like you said same thing with Rhonda and Shayna. They put together that five video package. Everybody was back in. Just do that. Like, yeah, like, yeah don't don't overextend your talent. Um, don't don't ask them to do things outside of their wheelhouse um, because you take away from what makes them special when you do that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And yeah, I want to see what happens uh, once this feud ends. I want to see where Becky goes next. Maybe we get Becky Rhea and have a little feud there. That would be. That would be intriguing, but I do want to see what Raquel does in this spot. I'm kind of excited to see well, what she can do in this spot. That should be a, a hard-hitting match uh, come payback. Looking forward to that. Um, I did want to move to the AEW side because before this recording started, Cam was telling me a little bit about uh, M- uh, one MJF 
who he had a little chat with, and all in is this Sunday uh, in Wembley. What is it, like 80,000? 80,000 is going to be really packed, sold out, the whole nine yards. This Adam Cole, MJF storyline has captured folks' folks's imaginations in a way that I don't think people expected with the whole MJF kind of bordering on a little babyface thing, which I don't think people expected at any point uh, during this championship run. So, Cam, tell me what you got on MJF and Adam Cole, what this storyline, how this storyline has kind of turned into this where people are in, are all, well, all in. Um, (laughs) I never, there's things I don't ask because I don't always want confirmation. But we saw Adam Cole beat then Daniel Bryan clean heading into Survivor Series. We watched him go head up with Seth and that end in a schmoz um, for years. Um, Like, it's funny. I think one of the reasons I connected with Steve is Steve was doing the thing that I used to do with NXT, where, like, I would take video clips of the show as it went on and kind of break down what was interesting about him, what was happening. Um, Steve does it to a much higher level. I was just having fun. But um, <laughs> what I would say, every time Adam Cole, like, did anything, I would say something along the lines of, yeah, he's built like a middle school free safety, but everything he does is perfect. Like, the one thing he can't control is his size. And it speaks to how good he is that... I just make passing jokes about it because he's he's amazing. Adam Cole's incredible. And so the idea that they were going to make Adam Cole a manager, I don't know if it's true, mm. but it's nasty because he's such a talent. And so he gets to AEW. Like, of course, there's, there's injury stuff. There's starts and stops. But nobody has ever denied how good that guy is. Every audience he's been in front of is on his every word and his every move. Um, MJF is also one of those people where, listen, the person he's playing on TV, that's Max. Like, that's that's not... I don't want you to think that he all of a sudden flips a switch. That is Max. But he's also very serious about when he talks about guys like CM Punk and now Adam Cole, these are absolutely guys he looked up to and studied and thought the world of, regardless of if he was a snotty brat. Like, he really does love these guys, right? And so it's another chance for Max to really show everybody that... He has that stage kid in him who can do these things and do the comedy and have the fun. And Adam Cole, too. Because, again, like, Adam Cole, like as much as MJF is MJF all the time, Adam Cole's absolutely playing a character on television because he's the sweetest guy. <laughs> like, him and I were at Wale Mania in the green room joking over the giant bottle of champagne I was carrying around for, like, a half hour. We're just sitting in the back cracking jokes. He's incredible. Right. He's the sweetest guy in the world. You've seen him on up, up, down, down. You've seen him do the little dance, but they're also the fiercest competitors in the entire world. Um, You're going to see either tomorrow or Friday. um, Every AEW pay-per-view myself and edited by Laura, she works for Fox sports, Australia. We always do these voiceover video packages. Mm -hmm. This might be my most fun one because Mm -hmm. the song she chose is the most ridiculous pussy rap song you've ever heard. (laughs) I can't wait. I I can't wait. It's so fun. But again, like, like these guys, again, as much as I love Kenny Omega as good as I think. And Adam Page is. um, 
Moxley, Jericho, like to be of the age these guys are, but be able to have fun with it is so different. And so everybody's seen Adam Cole be the nastiest wrestler on the planet. Everybody's seen MJF be the nastiest wrestler on the planet. Everybody's waiting on a turn. Like it's, Mm -hmm. what if there's no turn? What if there's double turn, like a triple turn? Who knows? Like, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the both of them and excited to see it, man. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. What if, what if it's not MJF who does the turn and what if it's the other way? Yo, PWG, uh, ROH, NXT, Adam Cole, like the nastiest man on earth. Yo, Adam Cole went to uh, Johnny Gargano's school. Y'all got to find this. He went to his school and he was telling them about how they weren't going to be shit. And he said, look at you, Twan. Twan, you think you could be NXT champion? And the hurt on Twan's face, I'll never forget. It's the greatest video package of all time. Adam Cole's amazing. I'd love to get heel Cole back. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Steve, what do you think of all this uh, as we head into All In Sunday? It's my favorite AEW storyline that I've seen. A lot of what Cam said is absolutely the truth. For me, if you give me a match with two great competitors with stakes, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to turn, but they're both so invested in it. For Adam Cole, this is not just a return, but validation. For him to be on this stage is huge, especially after everything he went through. MJF showed so much range during this storyline. He's a guy that you've wanted to punch in the face, and you kind of think, hey, he's kind of cool. He's kind of funny. I kind of get it. And then he reminds you, oh, yeah, you could do that, huh? Very quickly. But then he inspires you because he tells you a story. And all of it's true. And that's the, that's the best part about it for me, to where now you add the layers of the comedy, which I love. It was so different from what AEW traditionally presents. So I like them being wacky. I think it added an element. It heated Adam Cole back up. The Roderick Strong element has been fun. Mm. <laughs> that man's walking around in a neck brace hurt. <laughs> Feelings hurt, sad. And now you look at it and you're like, Adam Cole sits there and says, I need this more than anything. He goes full stone cold. Oh, boy. And that's where I was like, oh, I know what MJF could do. I know what Adam Cole can do. They both gonna be willing to do it. Who's gonna Who's gonna pull that trigger? And that's where it, and it ties back into that tag match. So I'm like, y'all gonna do shenanigans then too? Or y'all gonna play it straight? And let them win in zero hour. Oh right, yeah, that's right. That's the pre-show. That's right. <laughs> so that's where I'm like, hey man. But I'm I've been super into it. Like, AW's been on a little bit of run. They got me back with Collision. Yes, yes. Collision is great. And I, and I do want to ask about Collision in a second. But Cam, I'm glad because Steve mentioned the, the, the tag team titles, the Ring of Honor tag team title. Why are there so many titles in this company? What What's the story with that? I, I This is me as a novice. What's happening there? Yeah, I think their, their claim would be that we are a true international brand that acknowledges that other wrestling companies exist. Okay. Um, and our champions can travel because they're not uh, I don't think anybody there is under exclusivity to where they can't wrestle elsewhere. Right. 
Some of them just prefer to work two days a week, and I get it. Um, but yeah, I think it's a way to establish yourself as a global brand. Um, even though WWE is starting to acknowledge other promotions and other like titles and other championship matches, um, yeah, man, there's so many titles so they can take them shits everywhere and say they was on a show. I also think it actually helps to, you know, if you not that Tony Khan doesn't pay them people because he does pay them, but hey. You can bump up a guy's rate a little bit if he's walking around with an AEW title at an indie show. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it helps everybody, I think. That's a lot of damn belts. I can't lie. That's a lot of damn belts. And I'm not yeah. I'm not belt guy. Like I think, like number one, like I think there should be there should be two world titles in WWE. Mm-hmm. But if there weren't two world titles, there should have been one in the IC and US and one set of tag titles. There should be one women's singles title, one women's tag title. And just, that's what it should be. But also, that's because WWE is, like, self-contained. So I, I get it. And, you know, I don't know. Okay. AEW, oh, and I'll just tell you. i just tell you. Guess what? Um, there was one belt I was not allowed to ask about in AEW. Take that for what it's worth. Oh. Okay. Yeah, well. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of collision, speaking of collision, there's a little collision course with uh, one CM Punk as he's kind of made this his vehicle, his show. Cam, you've you've had a lot of thoughts on CM Punk over over the time. I've read a lot of the stuff that you've said. What do you think about this iteration of him? in in uh in collision and how that's worked so far even with the stuff with the elite there's always a backstage thing every week we have a story here we have a story there but what, what do you think currently about how punk is doing in this in this iteration um you know somebody tweeted and somebody always tweets you know cm punk in pro-choice t-shirts right and people have used that to say I side with CM Punk in his beef with the elite because he believes in pro-choice. And I'm like, what that got to do with what happened at work? <laughs> like, I, I don't, that don't got nothing to do with you disagree with somebody at the job. Like, people beef at work all the time. And my biggest thing I've tried to stress to people is we can have different experiences at the same place. Like, people just see the world different. Like, we get into disagreements, we argue. It does not mean somebody's right or wrong or somebody's good or bad. Now, what I do think is we were walking around L.A. WrestleMania weekend, and that's when we start to get info about, hey, they're going to give CM Punk his own Saturday show. And we're like, what in the hell is Tony Khan thinking? This is not what you do with adults. Fast forward, it's working pretty good. Um, I think the biggest thing about Collision is it's a small cast. And I like wrestling show with a small cast. Punk's the focal point. FTR's right there with him. Uh, you got the Bullet Club. And of course, selfishly, like Rick is in such a good position on Collision. Mm-hmm. He gets the time to really be fleshed out Ricky Starks. And it's great. And it's, whereas Dynamite is great. Dynamite is also kind of crash TV. And I mean that in the nicest sense. You've got a bunch of people that you put on that two-hour show and a bunch of matches that sometimes matter and sometimes don't. You get all the moves in and it's great. Collision is going to give you four or five acts they really want you to focus in on. They're going to give them all the promo time in the world. 
the time for the batch. It's a little bit darker in the arena. I, I really think that in in something that probably should not have been a good call, it's been a good call. The quality of that show is a higher, I think it's the second best American wrestling show right now behind SmackDown. I mm. really think that. Collision is very, very good because it's about a few personalities as opposed to a company. Yes, and then you can emphasize those personalities, you know, as it's more kind of like intensified in that way. But yeah. but Steve, what what have you thought about uh, not only CM Punk but the show Collision as it's as it's gone over pretty well with folks? Collision, the best way I could put it is Collision gave me Nitro vibes that I didn't know I missed, <laughs> in the best way possible. Not the bad Nitro, but I missed that kind of feel, that kind of look from professional wrestling, and it also made AEW make sense for me. So my issue with AEW is like, it's just dynamite. And dynamite is like, yo, this slaps. I'm like, yeah, cool. But also, it's like, nah, this slaps. Watch it. I was like, okay. With Collision, it's the, its own thing. And now you watch Dynamite and it's different. And now Rampage kind of has like a continuity where this happened here and it might happen on Rampage. That's what I've liked from AEW. But Collision has that old school feel. You know who you're going to see. You don't know how you're going to see them. I just really enjoy it. Because you get to see CM Punk be CM Punk. FTR gets to spread their wings and not just have great matches. Also deliver some promos. They give you the little Saturday night main event at the start of the show. It's just, I just like it. I just yes. like it. Like even, what was it last Saturday? They just did an extra bonus match and then big meaty men with beards came out. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this reminds me of Saturday night. Here come Roadblock about to get beat up. <laughs> that, man, that man was so big and lost block. Yeah, I'm old. That man lost every dang match I ever saw. He was seven eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh man, it, it's it's great to see. Honestly, it is great to see the passion in fans like this on a on a weekly basis because I just remember, I, I just remember, like I was saying, like 2019 is like. I was really struggling. I was just really, really struggling. I just, and it's nothing against Bray Wyatt, but why did they do that? Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> why did they do that? Oh. It just, it just, it turned me off in such. I just could not believe how turned off I was by it. And and then somebody, and then I just started reading that. Oh, they were they turn in they turn in Roman heel when he comes back, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll I'll see because because that whole thing was was you know from the most part becoming a stale thing, and you see him come back and look different. Oh, Paul Heyman's there. Oh, okay, okay, I'm I'm there. And even now with this, like I wasn't really watching AEW like that, but you start to hear about the MJF Cole. I will say this, Cam. Like you're the video package that you did for Brian Danielson and and MJF and the yeah. Iron Man match is what's had me start to pay attention and to yeah. to what was to what was going on over there. So that's where I started to watch a little bit. But so now you see this thing kind of develop, and I was like, oh wow, I feel like I'm back, like I never left. It's right. it it really does feel good to be able to watch all of this across promotions, uh, be tremendous before we go steve what's up i got a couple free throws for you oh okay let's go so number one so are we gonna start calling nikias nikias maya via 
after that shirt we saw him in in Las Vegas? Oh, I've been calling him Young Rock for about a week. <laughs> yeah, he been Young Rock. That that man literally had the Rock shirt on. Yeah, he he Young Rock now. Yeah, that's that's what he is. Spent a lot of time with the Aces. He think he pretty now. See? Man, look, dog. I was like, what is what we doing? <laughs> <laughs> my god but yeah I, and, I had to get him yeah yeah and um and also so james harden if you had to compare james harden to a wwe or aew superstar today which one would you compare him to Ooh, that's a tough question Ooh, James Harden right now. This version of James Harden, or just overall? the one that the one that said, "Daryl Morey, you are a liar." I'll say it again: you are a liar. Oh, CM Punk then. Oh, do I have everybody's attention now? <laughs> if there's not going to be a more "tell me when I'm telling lies" NBA player than James Harden, I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so. At this point, who would we compare? Who would we compare the bloodline to, as far as NBA dynasties go? Who, who, like, if we had to pick a, a comparison to a team that's won a, a few championships, who, who are we looking at? I have an unpopular one that may not make sense, but I'm gonna okay. try it. The original Celtics dynasty. Oh, it's gonna stand the test of time. It's gonna be in the record books. Even if you didn't see it. I'm going mm. left field with that. Like, I thought about going MJ and the Bulls, but I think when you look at the Celtics, you know, hey, they won a whole bunch of rings back then. Whether you respect it or not, you know what happened. I think that's where the bloodline will eventually go. Did I just call Roman Reigns Bill Russell? Maybe. But <laughs> deal with that a different day. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Okay, so... All right, well, this is gonna be this is gonna be a toughie because I I was thinking about this myself. Uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin or Bret the Hitman Hart. Ah, uh, I have to go Bret Hart, and it's only because Bret Hart was the person who really made me love wrestling. Because the first pay per view I ever watched was Royal Rumble '94, and that was the day that Owen kicked that man's leg out of his leg. And for the rest of the night, that man was just limping. And then he almost, I mean, he won the Royal Rumble. Sorry, Lex. But that man was limping the whole way. And I was like, man, he's really tough. And he overcame. His brother hated him because, you know, I'm a kid. This is the first time I ever watched. I ain't know. <laughs> Brett's so cool. But, uh, Stone Cold's that dude, though. Nah, I'm going to go Brett. I'm going to stick with Brett. That's, that's okay. my guy. The Dudleys or the Hardys? Hardys. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm le- I lean a little bit more Dudleys. That's kind of the I don't know the the WhatsApp was just always did it for me. Not the, like it's funny. I went to the I went to the Raw after SummerSlam, uh, 2015, where they came back and showed up. I was like, oh, my wife looked at me in the crowd and said, why are you going so crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and they and they and they um. They 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 uh, put what's his face uh, Xavier through the table. I was like, oh my god, what a what a what a moment! But guys, this has been wonderful. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really do appreciate you guys for joining me. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, we may have to do this at, at some point again. And 
the next time, Steve, I'm gonna we're gonna drag we're gonna drag <laughs> your man's in here. And right, literally right after we get off this call here, <laughs> my uh, my uh, promos will begin. Oh, okay, all right. My, my my promos will begin to get him on. But Steve, I mean, listen, I I will say this: the dunker spot for me, what you and Nikias have both done, um, seeing black folk in this space making this type of analysis digestible, interesting, and informative has been something that I have appreciated so much. And I think you kind of know that by the way I, I always send you guys questions and, and stuff like that. It's It's been such an appreciation for me to see you guys like really work at it and do the work. And that's the real important thing when it comes to these spaces in media and covering whether it's sports or wrestling like Cam does is to see the work ethic show in both of you guys, whether it's your videos or whether it's your deep dives, just the put the sound on, talk about a play, talk about a team, and also do it in a way where it's not hot, take, hot takey at all. It's informed. And there's some times where you'd be like, I don't know. And that I appreciate just as much as anything else. So salute to you, sir. Uh, appreciate that. Where can we follow you? Where can we find your work? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter X, X Twitter, at Steve Jones 20. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dunker Spots on all podcast platforms. I'm really good at plugging things, as you can tell. And I'm really good at, like, accepting compliments. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, the biggest thing I'll say is, like, the thing I've learned in life is to just be yourself. And you have to put the work in. And if you're going to make, I don't even, I know we run out of time. But if you're going to make content or you're going to create Create the things that you love to do and the people will follow if you put the work in and it's authentically you. And I say that as a reminder during these days where everybody is trying to copy and paste and do the same thing and drive in the same lane, just be you. Find your lane, thrive in it. You'll get further than you think. Wonderful stuff, man, uh, as always. And it's happy to finally get you on here. So looking forward to talking to you again eventually. I say one more thing for yeah, Cam. Yeah, we'll be going to H E B, man. No, we gotta slide. We gotta slide. <laughs> we gotta do it, man. We gotta do it. That's crazy. Like we really live down the street from each other. Life is wild. Yeah, man. We gotta slide for sure. And it's funny, before we get off, which yeah, one of y'all which one of y'all is doing laundry right now? Oh, that's that's uh my wife. Okay. So the joke <laughs> I was gonna make, I was gonna say Steve lives out there on the golf course. My homegirl, uh, her parents bought a house out there, like the Round Rock golf course by the train tracks and all that. And uh they bought like a big six hundred dollar six hundred thousand dollar crib, super nice, <laughs> and like it's the same beeps in they washing machine. I was like, Okay, hi Anthony, I, I see you, I see you. Getting that, getting that MCU money, baby. Oh, I see you. We're, we're, All we're, right. Uh, we're trying. Emphasize trying. <laughs> we're trying. Emphasize trying. But yes, Cam, I appreciate you, sir. I mean, I said this to you the other day. Um, no, no, your work ethic is incredible. It's very inspiring. It's a, just a reminder to keep going and keep pushing yeah, and uh, keep that that continuing on. So appreciate you, man. But yeah, where can we follow you? Where can we find you? And let us know when we get in that MJF chat. I want yeah, I'm looking man. forward to it. Um, so yeah, Seahawk, Twitter, Instagram, you know, spill threads, if those things are still on your phone. Um, you can find my work primarily at the ringer.com. I've um, got something coming up uh hopefully Friday. 
Um, typically, like we we had Seahawk Fridays for a while. We'll see if that's still going. Um, but yeah, talk to MJF uh, for a good half hour, 45 minutes um, about roughly, you know, where he wants his place to be in the history of AEW, the mark that he wants to leave, um, some of his thoughts on really how the world works and where he fits into it. So that's a really fun conversation. Um, you can find my most recent work at uh, Fightful.com talking about WWE's Great American Bash, the history of the bash between Jim Crockett, between WCW, between uh, WWE and now NXT. Um, talk to Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, which is, you know, South Texas kid, man. That's about as good as it gets. Um, so that was a really fun conversation. Um, and then uh, coming up this weekend, man, um, Sunday morning, 11 a.m., 10 o'clock Central. So the hour before all in zero hour um brand new show on fightful myself and my man rob wilkins it is called my point is um it's going to be monthly because i'm tired of talking to y'all all the time i'm um, not we're going to do uh we want to do a show once a month sunday mornings talking about the goings on in wrestling super excited to do it um so yeah so um, i have that at fightful and 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 last but not least yes. if you like wearing uh my face on your body the merch. Yeah, go to fouryearwear.com. We got two designs up there. Uh, me and She-Hulk is one of them. And then my Bass Pro Shop inspired shirt. Uh, so yeah, we got that going. So like you said, man, the, the work ethic, um, I work hard because we only got so much time to do this, man. Um, yeah. It didn't hit for me until my mid-30s. I don't want anybody else to go through that. If you're good, I want you to be good early and get paid adequately early. So I'm doing as much as I can now to show people that it can be done. So yeah. Um, wise words my man and of course you can follow me on the twitter at anthony canton underscore three follow the show at mc university pod patreon.com slash mc university pod where you could get our latest bonus content do the subscriber mailbag we also will be recording the fast and the furious number six as we continue to catalog that entire franchise which is like as uh, a lot of these movies I hadn't seen until recently. So when you see the ridiculousness of when what five is and then what I've seen in six, yeah. as we get closer to Fast X, which I've already seen, that's one of the most insane movies that I've seen recently. Just check that out. $3 gets you into our back catalog in the Discord. We have a lot of fun conversations there. $8 also gives you a chance to be on a subscriber mailbag with us. And of course... Like I said earlier, Jake Christie and Rob Morrow appreciate those brothers for uh, handling the Blue Beetle episode. You can listen to that now. And uh, yeah, we will be back at some point next week doing God knows what as we trudge our way to Loki in October. So for Steve Jones Jr. and Cam, I'm Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time.